You are listening to the Performers and Creators Lab. The weird one, it's how do you put that out there? And I'm just like, I don't know how I don't. There's got to be something that pulls you in. It's like, well, here's a person shamelessly putting it all out there, not just the good about like, oh, here are all just some funny sex stories I've had. I'm putting my failures out there too. Because if I only put out the good stuff, that would be really disingenuous. And I, so I, when you keep saying like, how do you be so vulnerable? I'm like, how do I not be? It's not just tips and tricks to make you a better artist. It's not just about who you know or what you know. It's about challenging you to explore the most honest and remarkable places inside you so that you can find your edge. Because your creative mind, when open to its own genius, has the power to change the world. I'm your host, Holly Shaw, best-selling author, hypnotherapist, and creativity coach. And this is the Performers and Creators Lab, where we are empowering an army of artists on the leading edge. You are listening to Episode 20, Vulnerability is Sexy. Hey, all you performers and creators. Today's show is about vulnerability vulnerability. Oh, this is something we talk a lot about on this show. It's something as an artist that you want to have some of. You want to be open, right? You want to be porous. You want to share, honestly. You want to be authentic. All these little buzzwords that are super in right now. It's hot. It's hot because it's captivating. We know it when we see it. And a performance doesn't land if it's not there. There's nothing more riveting than honesty. And sometimes there's nothing harder than being honest because here's why. What if people see what's there and they don't like it? Performing artists, we are some of the most vulnerable people uh, in the world. Well, that's a little ridiculous. We are some of the most... <laughs> I just read what I wrote and thought, nah. Performing artists, though, we are some of the most vulnerable people. We are some of the most vulnerable artists. Like one of my past mentors, choreographer Ben Levy, used to point to his body and say something like, as performers, we're saying, here's my art, and I hope it doesn't suck. <laughs> the cost of honesty is that people might not like it. And then what does that mean? Does that mean they don't like you? That the prize is that maybe they do like it. And then we have this feeling, this experience of being witnessed for all that we are, flaws and all, and still loved. And that's a taste that once you get a little bit of it, you can't help but chase it. But what if... Okay, I just want to propose something different here. What if vulnerability, being totally open, isn't as hard as we think it is? What if it's easy? Maybe what's tough is partial honesty, halfway vulnerability, the mediocrity of dipping your toe on stage but not revealing yourself fully. Maybe that's the painful part. And these are the thoughts that I found myself having 
after interviewing my guest today because this guest totally flips the script when it comes to vulnerability. He totally shattered so many of the things that I was believing about it. My guest today is comedian Billy Procida. He has a podcast called The Man Whore Podcast. Every week, Billy talks to women he's hooked up with about sex, dating, sexuality, love, and why they didn't work out. Okay, let me just break this down for you for a minute. He seeks out people that he's hooked up with or made out with, and he actually drags them onto a recording device and says, Hey, what did you, what didn't work? Why don't you like me? What did work? Where did we connect? Let's talk about it in front of the whole world. Oh my God, can you think of anything more vulnerable than that? I, I really can't. Now, Billy found me through a call out I posted on a Facebook group for comedians. And after listening to his podcast, I was really intrigued. How on earth could someone do that for four years and not be altered by it? Surely he was. And what was that experience like? I, I just I had to have him on the show. Now, I have to tell you that Billy delivered one of the best artist bios that anyone has ever provided me on this show. And so I'm going to read it word for word. But before I do, I feel like we should have a little learning moment here, okay? Because I see a lot of bios that people provide me, and they may be great artists, but for some reason when they try to put a bio together, you guys sometimes don't put in the you know, facts that make me care or tell me who you are. And so I want you to notice what he does really well. Okay, so Billy tells us who he is right away. So he tells us what to call him, a comedian. Then he positions himself by inserting an award that his podcast has received. Then he ends, he wraps it up by being funny, which works because he's a comedian. So you expect that. And he keeps it all totally within his brand. Okay, so I'm going to read this word for word. Billy Presida is a stand-up comedian who resides in Brooklyn, New York. He hosts the Man Whore Podcast, a sex-positive quest for love. The show was named a top 10 sex podcast by Esquire.com in 2017. Off mic, Billy performs all over New York City, gambles in Union Square, and complains about Weight Watchers points. He cordially invites you to stay slutty. So you just had your 200th episode. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's amazing. And one listener described your podcast as sexual group therapy, like a sexual group therapy session. Um, And, you know, I have to admit that, like, I don't normally listen to a podcast. Like, I listen to a lot of podcasts, but I don't normally seek out ones with titles like Man Whore. And I was so relieved after that introduction. Like, I was so relieved. I was like, oh, He's just like, has a really matter of fact approach to sex. He clearly loves women, loves people. Um, And just, you know, I really enjoy the fact that you sharing about a topic that 
it's just been handled and mishandled. And um, I think it's refreshing. So thank you. Just wanted to tell you that just for the record, although I'm not going to re-suggest it to him, if my son were to listen to your podcast, like I would feel okay about that. Cool. Then you should suggest the the show to your son. uh, So he, (laughs) Uh, gets a little head start on, on college and how to treat women half decently. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, because I just love the way you recently handled consent. And, you know, you had a conversation on there not that long ago about it. Um, and, it, you know, I just appreciate how vulnerable you are, how much you share about your own kind of missteps. The kind of transparency, I guess. Like, you don't try to cover up anything. Yeah, that that gets me in trouble though too. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, there's good and bad to exposing yourself fully on the internet. So yeah, there's plenty of like things people go, oh, that's wonderful, that's so hashtag brave of you. And then there's other parts where you're like, what the fuck did he say? And it's like, ah, you know, you're getting all of me. That's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, so the good, the bad, and the problematic. Yeah, and so that's kind of where I was interested in talking with you is, do you ever have a sort of vulnerability hangover from some of the things that you say or do? Like, you do think back and go, oh, man, do you ever wake up in the middle of the night with anxiety over any of it? Or you do, I mean, I'm just curious, like, how, what is the cost for you emotionally? You know, I did, I learned that my show recently, I went to the uh, Las Vegas and I covered the AVN awards and I, I recorded with a bunch of awesome porn performers. And I, it is a short period of time. It's a, you know, four or five day convention. And I did a lot of episodes while there. And I think on this trip, I actually learned what the emotional weight or labor that goes into this show does uh, because Again, as we were talking before, I don't have like 10 hacky questions for my guests. That's boring. I'm, I'm, I prefer the best version of my show is when I connect with a, another individual who most time, uh, many times I've never met before if they're a special guest. Uh, because at this point, about 40% of my guests are previous partners and then the rest of the guests are sex educators, porn stars, sex workers, queer performers, etc. So a lot of times I may be talking them for the first time. And the best version of my podcast is when this stranger and I just connect for about an hour or so. And I had one day during this, during the AVNs where I had four episodes in a day. And after two episodes, I was just like, whoa, like I just had such good conversations and I connected and we talked about things we realized we'd never talked about before. And this was amazing. And I went to the third one and I did it again. And I left there just being like, oh my God, all I want right now are hugs. Cause I just like connected with, I've just been connecting with people all day and then instantly did. So then by the time I did my fourth episode, I was so emotionally drained. Like I literally got on the couch in the suite that I was staying in. I kind of like curled up on the couch. I put on Tom Segura's like latest Netflix special and just like kind of just like chilled there and like let myself have some laughs because Imagine going on like four incredible first dates in one day where um, they only last an hour and you know that there's no second date. Like it, it, it was tough, you know, um, to be like, it was like, I'm connecting, disconnect, connect, disconnect. So that, w- that kind of pulled on some heartstrings for me I, uh, that day. And then in terms of just laying it all out there, 
I don't know, it's almost cathartic. I had a day years ago where I, someone I had been seeing for about nine months, she wasn't my girlfriend for a slew of complicated reasons, but we were more than just fuck buddies. And there was a, I, I was in love with this woman and she invited me to brunch. Unbeknownst to me was breakup brunch. Not necessarily a full breakup, but she wanted to like de-escalate what we were doing or remove the sexual element or remove the, fr- like she just, what we were doing was too emotionally intense for what she could do. And, and then that was not cool for me. So I had to walk out because that, that was the end of things. And I came home and I'm in just full tears and I'm in bed and I kind of almost instinctively grabbed the, my mic and I just started talking <laughs> total blubber mouth. Like, I mean, just not all the liquids are out of my face and I'm speaking in this mic about how I feel and how hurt I was. And then I just threw that in the front of the following week's episode. So I normally do an intro before the actual conversation. So before the intro, you just hear like 10, 15 minutes of me fucking laying it out there. But for me, that's cathartic. For me, that's nice. I know that there are people out there listening. And, you know, if I go through a bad breakup, if I go through just a hard time, I'm going to get, I get emails of people who want to say like, Hey, I'm here for you. This was my experience. I'm so sorry about X, Y, or Z. And, uh, and that's comforting for me. What about the people that aren't fans? Well, I, the negative attention I get for putting myself out there uh, would definitely be on social media, say like Twitter and Facebook and whatnot. Okay. Because I have people who follow me or who come across me who don't listen to my show. And some of them have gripes that are super valid where like I genuinely fucked up and needed to get called out and, and look at some behaviors. And there's just sometimes where people misread a joke I post because I am a comedian and I post things that I think are funny. And I also have this like oppressive looking face. So if they don't know what I'm about, it don't look too good. Yeah. It only, it only works when it's contextualized where you've listened to me for at least five minutes and know I'm on the right side of things. It's true. Yeah. It's true. But I wouldn't say I get negative feedback from like the podcast itself uh, as a whole. Like no one hates me and listens. <laughs> right, right. But so what do you think about like the fact that most people have a hard time being even a little bit vulnerable and visible with that vulnerability. And then here you are and you get broken up with and blubber your eyes out and you're sitting there with the microphone underneath the covers. I mean, what do you think it is about you? How did you get there? Do you think that's just who you are or? What well, I, I love the, that? I love the visual of me under the covers. I haven't done that before, but next time I need to like cry and record something by myself, I'm going to go under the covers and do it. I'm going to get a flashlight like it's fifth grade all over again. When we come back, I get Billy to actually answer that question. And we'll talk more about being vulnerable, aligning your jokes with your principles, the challenges of being the funny guy, and more. Like you heard me say earlier, having a bio is important. 
and yet there are so many crappy ones. <laughs> but having an artist bio is one of the very basic things that you must do. And so I'm giving away something that I used to include in my paid courses, which is a Build Your You Are The Bomb bio mini course. It includes video and worksheets to help you build and write your bio and also examples of great bios. And truth be told, Writing your bio isn't something that you do once and then you're done forever. It's a skill you're going to need for the rest of your life because you aren't going to want the same bio for your website as you'll need for a program or for writing a grant or a press release. Bios depend on who is reading them and they need to be different lengths and include different things, right? Well, I explain all of that in my Build Your You Are The Bomb bio mini course and I give you the tools to continue writing effective great bios for the rest of your life so that audiences can understand who you are and why they should care in just the first few sentences. I used to actually teach and charge for this information, and now I'm giving it away for free. So go to performersandcreatorslab.com forward slash podcast gifts to pick up your You Are The Bomb bio mini course. Again, that's performersandcreatorslab.com forward slash podcast gifts. You are listening to the Performers and Creators Lab with me, Holly Shaw. Call and leave me a voicemail at 415-870-7064. Again, that's 415-870-7064. Or you can find out more about us on the web at performersandcreatorslab.com. And we're back talking with comedian Billy Procida about the Man Whore podcast and about being vulnerable. Probably, you've read emails on your show from listeners who say your show has made a huge impact on their life. But I'm curious, how has this podcast changed you? Uh that's a good question. I never really know how to answer. Normally I get asked like, oh, what have you learned about your dating habits? But your question is just more like me as a person. I think I've definitely become more aware of what I say and how I say it. I think I've had to learn what empathy is uh, because the way I respond to people, I, I don't always, I'm not always the most empathetic person. And so I've just been trying to learn to to do that better. I don't know. How have I grown? Do you think I think, I, I think I've had to mature because I think the podcast has put me in situations where uh, that were difficult. And especially when you're a comedian and this like sex positive personality and those two worlds don't always overlap, you know? So I've been put in a lot of difficult situations, both like logistically and <clears throat> in figuring out my own like principles and morals. And through these situations, I've had to like figure out what do I believe and how am I going to talk to people? How am I going to talk to people I disagree with? Because I used to be way more immature about it. I think the show has forced me to mature a bit more because I am in the public light. Whereas in, if I wasn't, I could have just been another immature 20 something in Brooklyn doing jokes on stage, but because no one knew who the fuck I am, it doesn't really matter. And I could continue to fuck up and not change because of it. And I think there's an accountability when you're in the public eye enough 
that uh, that you kind of have to change. You yeah. Know? You know, I, I can't get, I can't be interviewed by like the Washington Post and have this like big thing on me and like, woe is me and my dating life. And then like, it turns out I'm some sort of immature prick on Twitter. At some point, the immature prick on Twitter has got to change. Otherwise, the, the, the interviews on the Washington Post are going to start being about some immature prick on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that leads me to my next question, which is like, has this changed your comedy act? Like having this sort of new perspective, this growth, do you feel like it's, I mean, are there like jokes that you you feel like you can't tell anymore or? I like to think that without the podcast, I still would have developed in this sex positive direction, but it's very possible I wouldn't have. I was already listening to Dan Savage and like reading the books and I was already talking openly and honestly about sex and sexuality and gender. These were things I was already passionate about, <clears throat> but I think uh, doing the podcast has, has maybe uh, streamlined the process and sped it up. So I have learned terms and terminology that like, I don't know I would have had to interact with. I think I have learned, I've come across and met more different types of people that I and understanding the different experiences that are out there. I have a very limited understanding of how I can experience the world because like I have all these like, Oh, terrible or awesome, depending how you see it adjectives. And I, uh, yeah, there are jokes where like I go, I'm, I, I used to tell a joke and I'm not the biggest fan of it or, you know, there, there are jokes I see as hacky. You know, like herpes jokes are hacky. Write a good gonorrhea joke. Throw that in there once in a while. There are other STDs than, than herpes out there. Uh, so, yeah, there's definitely jokes that I don't do now. Uh, but I still tell a lot of jokes and do a lot of tweets that get people very upset. <laughs> because, again, <laughs> comedy land and the sex positive world don't always get along. Because, uh, you know, to the comedy people, I'm like some bitch boy feminist pet. And then in the sex positive world, like I'm crazy offensive and problematic. I had a, I had a Facebook post last back in December that I got yelled at from both sides on the same comment thread. You know, it was like I had one guy, I, it wasn't even a rape joke, but it was a status that had the word rape in it. And one guy uh, who's a sex educator goes, Billy, what the fuck? Like, how dare you? How could you? And then in the same comment thread, uh, this like fake comedian guy went, wow, you're such a bitch boy feminist pet. Like I can't win. I can't win either way. Do you feel like you've developed a persona that can hold this kind of space for people? Uh, yeah. Um, and protect yourself. But that's the thing. I think that's that's the thing with the show is that I'm putting it all out there. I think that's the thing that makes it different. I'm not most sex podcasts feature a sex expert or a sex researcher or a sex educator or way more commonly a self-proclaimed sex and dating expert. I do not pretend to be any of those things. I am just a comedian with a fuck show. So then it's like, why listen to me talk about sex and dating? Well, <clears throat> I'm being vulnerable. People I am fucking up in public, so you don't have to. Uh, so I will put out the, my goods and my bads, many of which uh, things that apparently people can relate to, it seems, from the feedback I get. Yeah. And, and yeah, so it's, how so, do I be vulnerable? 
So it's not a persona is what you're saying? Oh, no, no. It's not a persona. That's me. It's just about figuring out what I want to put out when. You know, there's a, I've definitely added a filter, but it is 100%. That is me. That's yeah. certainly not a persona. Like, people sometimes on, like, Tinder dates, they'll be like, so are you just, like, trying to hook up with me for your podcast? I was like, look, I... I was a whore. I was whoring around long before this show started, right? So I would be doing this whether or not I had a podcast. So I, I still want to know though, like how, because I, I mean, I just know so many actors or um, comedians, even like they wouldn't be able. Well, comedians, I think, are a different breed, but but people, you know, actors, performers who just wouldn't be able to be that vulnerable for that long. And so I just, I, I know I keep harping on the same thing, but. I mean, I, I like the topic. I like the topic of the vulnerability because yeah, it's, just, it's a weird one. It's how do you put that out there? And I'm just like, I don't know how I don't, because unless I'm going to be an expert, why the fuck are you going to listen to me? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's like, you gotta, there's gotta be something that pulls you in. It's like, well, here's a person shamelessly putting it all out there. Not just the good about like, oh, here are all just some funny sex stories I've had. Oh, let me talk to these girls I've used, I used to date and we'll talk about our funny memories. No, I'm letting them tell me, Billy, you're pretty condescending. I'm letting them say, Billy, you were like kind of bugging me when we were 22 to like have sex and, that's, and I was getting kind of tired of it. So that's why I stopped fucking you. So like I'm, I'm putting my failures out there too. Because if I only put out the good stuff, that would be really disingenuous. And I, so I, when you keep saying like, how do you be so vulnerable? I'm like, how do I not be? Well, if you uh, would I, hold I, it on for just a second, I was going to yeah. ask, ask you a different question. This time. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I, no, and I, I just meant like, I, that was another piece of fever. I was like, I interrupt a lot, it, but I do, but I'm just saying you don't have to apologize for that topic. I like the topic okay. uh, because actors have to hide y'all actors hide behind a character or they put a piece of them. They filter themselves through a character uh, but comedians, like that's the art form. Yeah. Um, unless you do a shtick, you the, the the some of the most honest and raw types of comedy are going to be our first person, and they are showing why we are pieces of garbage. These are not like first person funny stories that I saw on the street. It's like, hey, first person narrative. I suck at life, and here's why. And it allows other people who also suck at life, because there are many of them. Uh, to relate to that and go like, oh, I suck at life too in that same way. Thanks for saying it so I don't have to. Hey, did you know that there are videos of these interviews? Yes, there are. I create bonus video clips from some of my guests, and I compile them in a secret, exclusive video library. It's not really supposed to be secret or exclusive. All you have to do is join and sign in, and you'll get to see bonus video clips from all of the guests that allowed me to use their video of their of of their interviews and so you'll get to see things like how cute Billy Persida is and you'll get to see me trying to flirt with him <laughs> and all kinds of wonderful outtakes um, and bonus clips and stories that I don't get to share in here I can't put everything in a podcast episode. So where you find that is you go to the performers and creators lab.com. And if you look up at the menu, 
it says interviews with artists, and that will take you to the online video library where you can find these clips. So again, that's performersandcreatorslab.com, and then just look for interviews with artists. So I just want to give a quick shout out. I got my advanced stats back for the show. This is always one of my favorite things to because it's, um, you know, I, you hear me every week talking at you, but I don't see you hearing me, right? So it's like this really, um, I'm used to performing on stage and feeling the audience and all this kind of thing. So just seeing my statistics of where you all are listening to me uh, is my sort of way of, of feeling my audience. It's really fun. So I just want to give a shout out to all the people listening and all the different places because this show has a really widespread across the world. So, um, you know, I've got listeners in, let's see, biggest amount of listeners this week or this month, China actually exceeded Dublin, Ireland. For a while, Dublin, Ireland, you guys were my biggest listeners. And now China uh, has passed you. So come on, start sharing the show with your friends, Ireland. Um, so thank you so much, listeners in China and Ireland. Uh, Barcelona, Spain um, comes next. We've got listeners in Sweden, Indonesia, Japan, Portugal, the UK, um, France, I said Japan, Canada, South Africa, the Netherlands, Australia, Morocco, one listener in Morocco. Hey, Morocco, right on. Keep listening. Finland, India, Germany. My goodness, I have to scroll down. Yeah, so that's where, where you all are listening from. So we truly are creating an army of artists on the leading edge all over the world. And then the U.S., of course, my biggest listeners are in the San Francisco Bay Area with San Francisco, San Jose, Oakland, Palo Alto, L.A., Berkeley, Phoenix, Arizona, Ashburn, Virginia, Cupertino, California, Chicago. Yay, Chicago. My parents met in Chicago. So thank you for all the listeners. And there's so many more all over um, the United States. And I feel like when I look at these numbers, if I know people in that city, I'm kind of like, oh, I wonder if that's my friend Miguel listening in, in Asheville, North Carolina. So keep listening and keep doing what you're doing. Keep creating. And I hope that, you know, you come back to this show week after week as a source of inspiration and a source of a little voice. Kind of just imagine that I'm the little voice on your shoulder, like a little birdie saying, keep going, go for it. You can do it. Do it. You've got this. So I hope that that's what I provide. And thank you for providing me with your ears to listen. I will continue to try to bring on the best, most interesting, most fabulous guests for your listening ears. Pizza. Uh, not, not for nothing. I was thinking pizza before you said sex. So I don't know if that counts, but that's still the first word. <laughs> okay. Um, performance. Art. 
Relationship. Pain. Uh, but all encompassing. Vulnerability. Easy. Simple. <laughs> Comedy. Ah, oh, love it. So <laughs> much fun. Fear. Heights. Not making it. Being alone. Love. Ooh. That noise, that's the noise. Noise plus shoulder shakes is, uh, is my response. <laughs> that's pretty adorable. Success. Fame, celebrity, comedy. And what will fame give you that you don't have now? Uh, no roommates. <laughs> <laughs> When it comes to honesty and vulnerability, a lot of us, we hedge our bets. How open do I need to be, really? Exactly how much does it take? We reveal a corner, an elbow, a story, feeling like we've put it all out there. And then later we realize we only put the scraps on the lawn and left the good stuff hidden inside. But the world is littered with half-truths. Don't you see? We're dying for something real. So, where are you hiding? What have you squirreled away or stored in the dark, afraid to open it? Afraid of what's grown there? Forgetting that sunlight is the fastest way to get warm. You can learn more about Billy Procida and his Man Whore podcast by visiting manwhorepod.com. All of the music you heard in this episode is original music by my friend, Emmy Award-winning composer Dan Cantrell. I'd like to thank Dan for providing this great material to work with, as well as producers Q4TA, executive producer Robert Cholino at the Voice America Network, and of course my creative think tank team of Melanie Myers, Hannah Romanowski, and Erica Milligan. And thank you for listening to the Performers and Creators Lab. My name is Holly Shaw.